Noah Alvarez here with another episode of the Podfathers podcast, the only podcast on the web that refuses to serve McDonald's to championship teams. Yeah, if you don't get that reference, United States President Donald Trump actually served the Clemson football, the Clemson national championship team, Big Macs, at the White House. <laughs> yep, that's, that's the state of our country right now. Anyways, shout out to the Pulse Podcast Network. You can catch the Podfathers podcast on their website and the app along with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. Be sure to leave us a review. Shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can catch him at SoundCloud.com slash Generic Sports. And also shout out to Vince Correa. He's been on the show a few times in the past. Thanks to him for designing our logo. I don't think I've given him enough love on this show, so thanks again, Vince. I just launched another podcast titled Off the Horns with my friend Javier Lopez. That's also on the Pulse Podcast Network, and we talk nothing but Rams, so if you're into the Los Angeles Rams, check that out. Speaking of the Rams, it's conference championship weekend in the NFL. The Rams take on the Saints and the Chiefs take on the Patriots on Sunday. Rams, Saints, Chiefs, Patriots should be an exciting day of football. We will have a Super Bowl preview show dropping sometime next weekend to break down the matchup of the two winning teams. As for this week's show, it's not on any current sports, but sports as a whole and how it affects our youth. My co-worker Charles, who was on the show to discuss Wildcard Weekend, joins the convo and we discuss if youth sports mold harder working adults, what are the reasons for the decline in football and other sports, and why are teachers so underappreciated? I think y'all really love this episode, so hope you enjoy. So both of us grew up playing sports, and I had a debate over at the family table during the holidays about do youth sports kind of mold better individuals in today's society or just in society in general? But I kind of want to see what your side of thing is, because like I said, we both played sports. I want to see what your opinion was on it. So, yeah, I played sports. I grew up playing football my whole life, and I think I played a little bit of basketball in high school. But not only that, I've coached. I mean, working at the Boys and Girls Club, I've coached sports for like the last eight years, and I've coached like boys sports, girls sports, football, basketball, volleyball, a little bit of everything. So the question kind of, I kind of see it in a, a broad perspective and everything, because I've seen individuals, I've seen group cases, and just my own personal opinion but I think it goes both ways I think it depends on the individual and it depends on the coaches and the team team setting that you create Mm -hmm. and the atmosphere that you create with kids I think you you go through a lot of adversity in sports and I think that makes you a better person I think it teaches you like say if you go from a starter and then new kid comes in takes your spot now you're not the starter so are you down on yourself and quit Mm -hmm. or is that adversity going to make you a better person you're going to push to to put yourself back in the conversation and then just the the teamwork, the teamwork aspect of everything. You, you're you're constantly working with others. As an adult, you're always going to work with somebody. Um, sometimes, as an athlete, your coach tells you to do this. You don't like it, but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the workplace. You're going to run into a situation where a boss asks you, "Hey, I need you to do this." You don't agree, but at the end of the day, sometimes you just got to swallow that and do it. And I think, personally, yes, it made me a better individual. I, I was a troubled kid, and I think sports kind of took me out of that and gave me somewhere to kind of release a lot of my energy and a lot of negativity that I had. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it, it work on an individual case with some of the kids that I've worked with, mm-hmm. taking them out of a certain situations and let them providing a, a certain as- atmosphere where they can release a lot of their energy and, and kind of 
put put a lot of the the negative energy that they have inside into something more positive. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my individual perspective on that. Growing up too, I grew up with a lot of troublesome friends and the ones that did stick around with sports through high school. You could see that they're more hireable. They're they do have certain characteristics like better team players and so on and so forth to where you know the, the kids who dropped it did who did drop it by high school they would get into trouble they were getting suspended they were getting kicked off campus and stuff like that so i could see where sports definitely has it puts you kind of like a goal to work on mm-hmm. it's something kind of bigger than yourself cuz i think that's what a lot of kids struggle with is having something more important than themselves mm-hmm. and kind of just acting out wildly and stuff like that where sports can kind of you can act wild but in a Constructive manner. Constructive manner, if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense. But I I think so, too. In my instance, I thought it was was good for me. I think working sometimes with other people, I can see it. People who, you know, you get to know them and you ask them if they played sports or not. They're not necessarily as good as team players. They understand that team concept of helping one another and for the end goal, for the company Mm -hmm. to work better, for the, you know, the group project to work better, even in the classroom setting. Because I just got done with college. You know, I mean, there's always those people who kind of slack off in the group. There's mm-hmm. the people who take apart, and there's the people who just do enough. And you know, that's you. Sometimes you see all that kind of derives from sports because mm-hmm. you are going to have your starters, you are going to have your bench players, but even the bench players are important because mm-hmm. you need someone to go against in practice, and so on and so forth. So I think from my experience, I'm definitely glad that I played sports and played multiple sports mm-hmm. to have that kind of teamwork aspect because I think that's the best thing sports teaches kids. Mm-hmm. For that will benefit them longer in life and not only that i feel it gives you a voice too because you find these kids where you can see the leadership qualities already developing mm-hmm. and now you get to put them into leadership roles and where you're asking them to be team captains of teams mm-hmm. showing them some of these skills that they they're going to use later on in life and i think it's huge at that moment especially at the age group that, that a lot a lot of us work with as far as like 12 13 14 they're they're at an age where they're trying to find themselves mm-hmm. So if you can give them a positive avenue and kind of showcase and, and give them some of the skills that they're going to use later on in life, I think it's a perfect time to do it. And I think the, that transfers over later on in life as well. Mm-hmm. Another big thing I got from sports was like a hard work ethic. Because mm-hmm. I remember at times I was never the star player. I was never really the talented one that kind of had everything easy for me. So to, to ever play in any sport, whether it was basketball or baseball or football, I kind of really had to work mm-hmm. and improve on my game and kind of set that goal and get to a certain level. And I know the schools or the teams that I usually played for, too, we were usually, you know, growing up in Santa Ana and playing high school at Villa Park, playing high school football at Villa Park. Mm -hmm. We were usually always an undersized team, so we always had to work against that. Mm -hmm. We had to get better at other things because we didn't have the natural size. We didn't have the natural speed, but we can get better at technique or whether it was endurance and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I think it helps you because in life, you're not always going to be better than someone, you know, going for the same job or going for the same girl, or going for the same whatever, the mm-hmm. goal that you have in adulthood. But it kind of gives you that work ethic that you can, just because you're not as talented as that person, or don't have it, mm-hmm. you can still get there by doing some other things to help you get there. And one of the biggest things, like I've coached sports, I have a lot of friends that have coached sports. The biggest thing that you look for somebody, and then a kid, is to be coachable. Mm-hmm. Like, to be able to take somebody's, it may be criticism, it may be praise, it may be whatever, but to be able to take that, digest it, and then use it to your ability to, to better yourself, I think that's huge because you get into the workplace. And, and I'm a supervisor, so I work with, with I have staff members. Sometimes you see it like you, you give them some constructive criticism or something that they don't agree with mm-hmm. and they don't like it. And they don't know how, how to digest it and, and learn from it or grow from it. Mm-hmm. They take it as very negative and they, they don't know how to use it. 
And I feel like in sports, you're constantly getting that either constructive criticism or how to do this better or how to run this play or how to make this shot. And I think those small things that you don't think about later on in life do help you out because now mm-hmm. you know how to how to better yourself in different instances. Being able to take constructive criticism is huge because I have a lot of friends that kind of have failed, not failed, but to this point, they've struggled to hold a job mm-hmm. because they get criticism and they, they don't like it. They kind of shy away from it. And sometimes they act out on it. And sometimes even hearing other conversations from friends and family, they quit their job because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they say, oh, my boss doesn't like me because they said this, this and this. But in reality, the boss could just be trying to help you do your job better or do the job better to the company standard. Mm-hmm. But I think it's usually, you know, I think a lot of people have this perception that people are out to get me every time they say something about my work negatively. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, constructive criticism, especially as an athlete, you learn, hey, if my coach is telling me this, it's because he wants me to get better, not only for the team, but for individual as well. Because mm-hmm. if I can do this better, now I can play, you know, man coverage against this mm-hmm. or in basketball. You know, I can cover the three, four, and five just versus the three and four, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know what I mean? So you always want to be improving and taking that constructive criticism well because in life you're going to need that mm-hmm. ability and that trait. And I think not only like sports encompasses a lot, you figure you're learning there's so many teachable moments within sports and not even just focus on on a certain play or a certain way you step but there's a lot of teachable moments just about life how to react to somebody mm-hmm. how if like you're in the middle of the game your shot's not falling you're frustrated nothing's going for you mm-hmm. but what do you do for the overall team when you're right. talking about team concept okay maybe i can just go pull down five rebounds or now i can focus on this because my shot's not falling you learn how to again adversity how, how to adjust to certain things when they're not going your way. I think that plays a big part in life, and I think that's why sports is so beneficial to kids growing up. Mm-hmm. We both work with kids, and I feel like with the new generation and generations that come, sports has slowly been declining, and I have some numbers to prove it. Um, the Washington Post wrote an article saying that youth sports from age 6 to 12 and participation all across the United States has been down 8% since 2008. Um, so over the last decade, basically, mm-hmm. the study was done at the end of 2018, that sports has been down 8%. And I think a large part of it, they mentioned that a large part of that is video games. But I think a lot of video game culture and a lot of video game uh, praise and just the new things for kids to do definitely takes kids off the field mm-hmm. and keeps them in the bedroom or wherever mm-hmm. they're playing the video games. And instead of, I know a lot of kids now that instead of playing soccer, instead of playing basketball out on the court or on the field with their friends, you'd rather just go online hop online with your friends and do the same mm-hmm. thing, but because they can't do it in life better, they'll do it on the video game and mm-hmm. create a player and do everything like that. Yeah, you know, what they would want to be. Mm-hmm. I think video games takes a lot away from our kids. I mean, and I think it's a societal problem overall because you figure just living in Orange County alone, I feel like a lot of the, the staff that I have, they're working two jobs, they're going to school full time. And now you start looking at the youth, the parents are working two jobs, mm-hmm. their parents are trying to go to school to better themselves. So there's not a lot of time for these kids to be taken to practice, mm-hmm. uh, to get dropped off, to get picked up, to go Saturday, drive to Brea to go to a game and then come back home because their parents are working. So I think there's a bit larger societal issue to that. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think like the Boys and Girls Club and stuff where it's a free after school program where kids can go to. And now they're joining teams and, and their parents don't have to drop them off at practice. They just got to pick them up at the end of the day from school. Same place they would have picked them up at. Um, and then you tag on video games where I can leave my kid at home if I have to go do a second job where I know they're safe, they're playing video games, they're interacting with people, but I know they're at the house. Mm-hmm. So I think there, there's a little more that goes into a lot of that. And, right, and right. as far as the decline in, in, in kids being able to participate in some of those things, but I could see it. And then you just look at the generation coming up and I, 
I don't want to use the word soft, but that's how <laughs> I, I feel. Like a no, lot yeah. of the kids are getting softer, and and it comes from the people that are in higher places. Because I like I work at a school, and it was windy outside. We had Santa Ana winds. And now they're saying that the kids can't practice because of the winds. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, there's guys in Vegas that are practicing with high winds or 110 degree weather. People up in Big Bear where you can barely breathe and they're running track and field and whatnot. So I feel like as a society, too, we're kind of just pushing our kids to, to more or less go into video games and to mm-hmm. do some of these things where it's a little easier. I think all across the nation, you hear different stories, especially because, you know, on Twitter, everything gets blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think a little bit of the generation is getting soft. And I think that started with participation trophies. <laughs> Everyone kind of getting the same reward for doing different stuff. And I, I guess that can kind of go back into, you know, and that's not real life realistic. But a lot of rules have changed in, in football. In just high school football alone, I have a lot of friends who went back to my high school and coached. They can't do three days, and you can't do two days back-to-back even mm-hmm. more. I remember in high school during our football camp, our summer camp, we had a whole week of two days, and the following week we had a whole week of three hell days. Week. <laughs> it was hell week. Yeah. And it was just really rough. It was meant to be rough, but because nowadays a kid will throw up or a kid will pass out, or obviously we don't want anything yeah. that to happen, but because of those certain instances, they change the rules so mm-hmm. tremendously to where things don't even become hard anymore. Mm-hmm. And it really, I think hard hard work ethic will be kind of lacking in a lot of the generations to come. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's huge. And, and player safety is a huge thing. And I think in football, they, they are bettering certain things. I think there's a lot of things that I disagree with and mm-hmm. not allowing people to hit and their quarterbacks never being touched. But it, it goes back to these kids growing up in the participation awards. It's something I never agreed with. I mm-hmm. feel like if you're on a team, good job, you did something. But if you're doing something to better yourself and to stand out, then you deserve an award. But if you're just there and you're going through the motions, um, you're just part of the team because you wanted to be a part of a team or because your parents threw you on it, I I don't believe that deserves to be rewarded. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, it goes back to teamwork, ethic, a bigger picture, working along others. Those are the people that that deserve awards. But I I can see the decline in a lot of different areas. Yeah, football is a big one. It was the biggest sport that suffered the most decline. Over the past decade, the same article t- said it was down 6.6% over the past 10 years. And that kind of saddened me a little bit because football, to me, was such a great experience. I know there's a lot of new statistics coming out with as far as the head injuries, mm-hmm. the CTE. And I kind of see it in like family members firsthand. You know, They played in a much different generation, mm-hmm. and now they're starting to suffer from different CTE and memory loss and different symptoms. But... If you teach the game right, and I know that's what they're starting to push for now, especially the NFL and a lot of the NFL play 60 and they're getting coaches certified and stuff like that. I still think football teaches a lot, especially in a lot. Every sport will teach you something different. But I think football, because of the time you had to devote to it and how, you know, it's a lot of physical, but it's a lot more mental, too. Mm -hmm. I think football can teach kids a lot. I see football as the ultimate team sport. You have 11 players on the field, whether it's offense or defense. If one person doesn't do their job right, the whole play's gone. You got mm-hmm. an offensive tackle that misses their block, mm-hmm. run plays dead. You got a quarterback that doesn't know the cadence, false start, plays dead. Mm-hmm. Got a receiver that jumps outside, plays dead. So I think in basketball, you can have one or two players stand out, take your team to the top. Mm-hmm. In baseball, you can pitch a no-hitter, nobody else is involved in the game, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in football, if you don't do your one job, the whole play's dead. So you have to really learn how to be a good teammate, how to do your job, how to focus, how to really put in the work and the and create that work ethic mm-hmm. and and I think those are some of the things that are lacking with a lot of kids not being able to play those sports. Mm-hmm. You see it. We get we get to work in Garden Grove and 
through my broadcast internship at Fullerton College, I got to broadcast some high school football games. And so I got to, you know, we got to do the varsity level, but they were talking about, you know, in interviews before the games, I remember talking with some coaches at Loera, talking with some coaches at Savannah. They really struggled to get junior varsity teams now. And they would talk about that they would have to set up a lot of games with Garden Grove teams because teams like Bolsa, teams like La Quinta don't even have enough to field JV teams. A lot of players go right from freshman straight to varsity. I thought it was kind of sad that, you know, because when I was in high school, I know the freshman team had over 90 players. Mm-hmm. JV was a full squad. And then, ro- and then the varsity roster, our coach wanted to dress out as many people as possible. And we usually had like 70 players. Mm-hmm. So to see the high school numbers decline, I know that in Garden Grove and Fullerton and Anaheim area, they're very densely populated area so there's a lot of high schools and that takes Mm -hmm. away from the numbers but to see that programs just so close to home don't even have enough to fill junior varsity teams is is really sad Mm -hmm. I think it I think again I think there's a bigger picture I feel like you look at all the top schools now Mm -hmm. they're going into all the cities and taking all the good players right right if you look at modern day St. Charles Bosco you got your 11 starters are coming from 11 different cities yeah they're not even homegrown in Santa Ana or L.A. And I think that takes a lot away from the the sports and other programs Mm -hmm. because now all the good kids are gone. Okay, now you got these kids that you're asking, you're kind of forcing to get into the program like, hey, you know what? Come out, try it out. And and I've seen it like I work directly with the the coach over at Los Amigos, Mm -hmm. the freshman coach. Um, I've kind of been helping him out, kind of get the interest because I work in borderline Santa Ana. So 90 percent of my population is really into soccer. So, okay, how can we start getting the word out to football so those kids can start by the time they get to freshman, they got a better understanding, mm-hmm. and now it's something they're looking forward to do. But you can tell, like, a lot of the talent, like, you talk to the talent that's at the school, and they're like, oh, no, I'm going to modern day next year. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going here next year. Okay, cool. But now that the kids that you're trying to force to play or gain that interest, by the time they get to high school and now it's a little bit of hard work, like, oh, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not my passion. I don't love it, so I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. So then I think it kind of falls back on that to field teams at some of these smaller high schools. Mm-hmm. A lot of your talent's gone, so it's hard to get kids to buy in. And once they start losing, you, you see it. Like, the freshman coach, they won, I think, six games this year, which was four more than the year prior. Yeah. And so he said, like, by week five when we were losing, I had 10, 15 kids quit. Wow. Now you're at a, a group of 30, so it goes back to the work ethic and, mm-hmm. and this generation kind of being a little softer and not knowing how to handle adversity in their life. And it's not just private schools, too. I think any of the bigger public schools will steal kids away because mm-hmm. I know there's the whole, if you're within a city, you may be designated to one school. If you still live within that city, you can petition to go to another school. Mm-hmm. And schools like Edison, schools like Mission Viejo, schools like, I'm sure they are able to get kids you know, outside of the city and steal them from whether it's Ocean View or a smaller school in that city. Mm-hmm. And they're able to steal them to a big program. I know Villa Park does that really well in the city of Orange because now Villa Park's football program is on the rise. And, you know, if you're a good football player and you're designated to Orange, why would you go to Orange if they don't have necessarily as good as a football program? Mm -hmm. So you can go to a better program at the Villa Park or something. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be the private school. Yeah. But I do agree. There are the schools that are taking away, and a lot of these small small program schools are suffering. And I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot of these schools in Orange County not have football programs anymore because I know Loera and Savannah are the two that really stood out to me, not Savannah, Magnolia. Yeah. Loera and Magnolia had really small rosters, and I know I can just see it, foresee it in the future uh-huh. that they're not going to have a football program. It's going to be tough to field kids, man, and, and, and they're going to have to find ways to, to start going into these feeder schools and start talking to these principals at other schools and gaining the interest and in, in starting to teach the game at, at a younger level where it's more 
free, I guess, essentially. You don't have to go to practice outside. You don't have to do so many things where they're starting to gain that interest by the time they get to to high school. Now they're getting the kids that aren't these standouts, but these are kids that are willing to develop and buy into a program to develop something, something bigger. That's the thing, too. You mentioned it, going to practice and stuff, and a lot of that stuff costs. I think the de- the development, maybe not so much in football, but in a lot of sports like soccer and basketball, they have club teams. They have elite teams, essentially, that are these fancier clubs, regular than just the regular AYSOs or the regular NJBs mm-hmm. that used to play for that are usually pretty cheap, but now they have these advanced ones, and now a lot of the below-average kids are stuck kind of in the NJB level, and it, it dilutes the talent level, and now you're, the kids are disinterested in playing because you know their good friends are playing in this other mm-hmm. club team, and so it's hard, and, and things... It comes down to expenses. Like you said, we live in Orange County. A lot of people are trying to work two jobs, three jobs sometimes, Mm -hmm. and it it gets really expensive to live here and do other things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes paying for sports and to play on the club or to play on an elite team, it's it's very expensive. And I think a lot of kids, I see it at the school site I work at, they don't have that money or the parents don't have that money to fund them there. And so Mm -hmm. they need more programs that are free after school or at a park Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think you touched on it, development. You're going, you just take two soccer teams, you get your community city team. And like you said, you got your your travel team and your club teams. The development that they're getting at that club level is going to be a thousand times better probably than what they're getting at the the community level. Mm -hmm. These are hired coaches that that are getting paid and these are coaches that are just from your community. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, I've done it myself and coached the community teams and done that. But the development, then you're talking about Villa Park and Orange. Okay, Villa Park's probably got better um places to live better mm-hmm. facilities and, and you're getting nutrition and this this and that and you're going to a smaller community school in orange where you're probably not going to get all that and the development's a lot better so mm-hmm. now you're looking at the talent once you get to high school you played club and regular community soccer you get to high school and now the, the talent's a little different they're not going to get to play mm-hmm. so a lot of those kids are going to be like oh i'm not that good you know i don't want to play no more and kind of quit yeah it's tough to see I and mean, like you said we both grew up playing sports so i always I always don't like seeing, you know, kids kind of shy away from playing football because mm-hmm. of the injuries or shying away from playing from sports because they'd rather be online and, and different things. But the other side of that is academics. And I know we both work at schools, not directly with the school districts, but I know a big argument that's brought up all the time, it seems like, whenever you talk about the public education system, is teachers kind of being unpaid. And I saw an article, again, on social media, and it was on the, it was published on The Hill, but since in the last year, 8.3% of people who worked in public education systems from teachers to school psychologists and so on and so forth, they quit their jobs at a higher rate than they ever have before in the last year. And it always, you know, like I said, it's always a big discussion. Are, are teachers underpaid or are people who work at public schools underpaid? I think teachers are the most unappreciated, underpaid people on the planet. Like they're spending eight hours a day with your kid. Sometimes that's more than you get to spend with them. Mm-hmm. And for them to be so underpaid, they're they're coming in early, they're leaving late to help kids, because most teachers do it for a passion. Mm-hmm. They're not there for the money, and which is, I mean, I get that, but at some point in time, they should get paid for the amount of work that they're doing. And I feel like they invest a lot of themselves into these kids and really want to see kids grow and develop and become better people. And the fact that they don't get paid for that, I think is a little disheartening and and you see it. Like, I had a lot of friends like, oh, I was going to be a teacher, but I found out how much they get paid. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, I need something better. And mm-hmm. you go back to just the, our living situation in Orange County alone and how expensive it is to live here. Like, mm-hmm. you got a teacher that's making 60 grand or be an x-ray tech and make 120 grand. And you're yeah. going to school probably a little bit less to be an x-ray tech. So 
it, it's hard unless they're passionate and obviously you get the teachers that are very passionate but I think they do deserve more as far as pay and what they're getting. And you mentioned underappreciated is, is such a good word because I think they have one of the most important jobs because essentially they, the teachers that we have, they shape our society, mm-hmm. essentially. You know, whether you're at a public school or a private school, these kids are eventually going to go into the workforce and some of them are going to be creators. Some of them will just have average jobs as well. But as a whole, the, it's the next society and we're going to be older. And by the time, you know, they get into their positions and stuff like that, they kind of look over society. So I think raising, I don't say raising a child, but teaching child mm-hmm. things, whether it's, you know, STEM and engineering, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. or teaching them art and to be creative and mm-hmm. have their own ideas and stuff like that. You need quality teachers. That's not something you, that's not something you can have, like, poor quality of. Mm-hmm. not saying that in other jobs you can, but if you have a subway worker that, you know, makes a sandwich half-assed, that's okay, but yeah. you don't want a generation of half-assed students. Mm-hmm. You don't want a teacher that's half-assed because you're going to teach... A bunch of students to be half-assed and it's just not going to work out well and it's going to hurt society as a whole then you know you talk about the de- declining teachers and teachers quitting you look at budget cuts mm-hmm. I, they don't do extracurricular activities in, in in school anymore i mean you get pe and that's it mm-hmm. and what happens to the art classes the cooking classes yeah. you know the mechanics classes the home ec classes the things that we're teaching you life skills outside of just what you were learning in, in class. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so huge about like our after school programs where we're on a school campus and now we're providing STEM, we're providing engineering, we're teaching them different music. Mm-hmm. You, they're getting opportunities that they wouldn't really get in, outside of their community. Mm-hmm. So I think that's huge too. And just, I think there needs to be more money pushed into teaching and, and the resources provided to the teachers so they can, like you said, they're, they're, a huge part of our community and they they build these kids up to be a part of that community so mm-hmm. i think there has to be some change and it's been like that for a while now so you speak about some of the programs and the extracurricular activities schools offer but that's always a conversation that my parents bring up because when they were in middle school and high school they had the auto shops they had the wood shops my dad still has a lot of the he was in a metal shop and he mm-hmm. still has a lot of the artwork that he made and at least when I was in high school, or sorry, in middle school, they still had a wood shop. And I have some, you know, artwork that I made mm-hmm. too with wood. But I know my eighth grade year was the last year they did carry that program because, you know, that teacher retired. Mm-hmm. And they had no one else really to replace that. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a problem that's going around all Orange County and just in a lot of areas in general in public schools where they're cutting out those extracurricular programs, which are kind of cool because you learn a different skill set. Not mm-hmm. everyone's going to go out to be doctors. Not everyone's going to be a go out to be math teachers mm-hmm. or so sometimes you, it's good to have these other programs and other class subjects like the wood shops, the metal shops, because you do need people in society to go be the car mechanics to mm-hmm. be the, to make you can make a good living being as a car mechanic. You can be make a good living being a person who works with wood and designs things like that. Yeah. So it kind of gets interest going at a younger age and see those programs kind of. Um, downfall mm-hmm. to see them be taken away from the schools i think it hurts the kids and their creativity and, and it lacks you know they can't expand their ideas and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah and that's why i think what what you do and what we do as an organization what we provide for these kids is so huge because they, they don't get it in the school day they get their math their english or science and that's it then it's okay this is your homework go home finish it and then it's video games mm-hmm. so you throw them into an after school space or a space where now you get six different activities a day that they can choose from. And now it's like, okay, I didn't know I liked music like that. I didn't know I wanted to learn guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, let me start investing my time into that. And so now instead of kids just kind of messing around and just being at home playing video games, now they're learning something different that mm-hmm. they may never have known that they really liked. 
that was fun too when I first got to the program is because I always wanted a program like that growing up. Mm -hmm. And luckily my parents were fortunate to send me to sports or whenever I did. I played an instrument for a little Mm -hmm. bit too and so they were always able to support me that way. But I know for a while, you know, because of my parents' work schedules, I always at school for a long time. I'd either have to walk home or if I were to wait, I'd usually wait for a couple hours after Mm -hmm. practice and stuff like that. But having a program right after school, you know, to kind of be involved in and learn these different activities, whether it be sports or, like you said, STEM or um, other things like that, Mm -hmm. just being creative. I think that would have been pretty cool for me growing up personally. And I like being in that position because I didn't have it growing up, but I can now give it back. Mm -hmm. And it would have been something I would have liked, but I can now give it to kids who do, you know, see the beneficial and Mm -hmm. having that kind of after school program like that. And you're giving it to them in a mentorship role. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about teachers. They're there from, what, six to three, and, and they're really focused on, on, did you learn that math problem? Do you understand? Are you grasping that concept? But when you get to the after-school program, now it's more mentorship. Now you're you're teaching kids some life skills. They're talking to you about their problems. Mm-hmm. Now you're helping them guide them through some of the tough things that they're going to see in life. So they may not have that same relationship with the teacher that they do with, with somebody that's more of a mentor mm-hmm. and they see on a different level. And I think that's huge in the communities that we work in, especially where I'm at, like that borderline Santa Ana area. These kids, if they're not there, they're out. They're, their dads do drugs. Mm-hmm. Their their parents are in jail. They got cousins that gang bang and stuff like that. And that's all they know. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing that I try to teach these kids is that there's more outside of what's just in front of you. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more that you guys can do. So now trying to show them different skills that they can learn or different things that might gauge their interest. Now that now they can focus that energy instead of oh, my, my uncle's super cool. I think Noah's really cool because he does this and he does that. Mm-hmm. Now I want to be more like Noah instead of kind of more like my uncle. It's probably not going down the right path. And you mentioned it. They can't go to teachers for certain things where they can come to us. I think that's what's cool. They'll talk about, you know, the problems what they have with their friends or problems that they're having at home or just certain things that you can't always go to a teacher as, as you're a student. Because like you said, the teacher is there to teach you the math problem or the history problem or to help you improve your English skills or your reading skills and stuff like that, where we have like that whole mentorship role. Sometimes even if it's like in leadership traits or stuff like that, you know, or inner conflict between the two students or a group of students. So I think that's what's cool about our position is that these kids can come up to us with things outside of school and outside the classroom and ask us and, and we can help them in that kind of aspect. You know what I tell a lot, like I said, I'm a supervisor, so I, I have to kind of work with staff and develop their skills as well. Is the biggest thing is like, what you tell these kids and what you help them with at this age, they're not going to remember it right then and there. They're not going to be like, man, Mr. Noah was so cool. It's going to be something that clicks three or four years down the line. And they're like, dang, I remember when Noah told me that. And mm-hmm. this is the, the specific situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. And now I know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Like if you just look back in, in your life and, and the people that you had in your life, you don't remember the teachers that were hard on you on grades. Mm-hmm. You always remember the teacher that went out of their way to help you do something outside mm-hmm. of school. Or that teacher that sat there with you an extra hour when she didn't have to. Right. Or that coach that really took you to the side and said, like, hey, you know what? These things are what's going to happen in life. This is the path you're going down. You'll mm-hmm. always remember those mentors instead of the teachers that are just there on top of you for grades and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the beauty of what we do in, in the organization. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, too. Like you said, at that time, you may not think it's important. Like the kids might, you know, kind of blow it over their head right now. And I remember having those moments, too, as a kid, whether it was coaches or teachers or even uncles and other family members that try and help give you advice. And you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes, you know, just like hurry up so I can go play yeah. or hurry up and so I can go out or that kind of thing. But like you said, you have those moments four or five years down the road. And you're kind 
oh snap, you know, he was right, or she was right. And that advice really helped me out here in this situation. And so you can always go back. I mean, I know there's a few people that I like to go back to, whether it was in high school or middle school, that kind of taught me the valuable life lessons. And I would go back to them and say, thank you, you know, for these certain things, because you helped me get to this point. You kind of helped shape my life and get me to this far. And so I think that's what's kind of cool about that role.